Welcome to the Extraordinary Educators Podcast. Your hosts, Danielle Sullivan, National Director at Curriculum Associates, and Sari Liberis, Senior Manager, Marketing Operations at Curriculum Associates, are here to share actionable tips, best practices, and success stories to improve your teaching and drive student learning. Enjoy, and thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's Danielle. Hi, everyone. It's Sari. Welcome back to the Extraordinary Educators Podcast. We know there's a lot happening right now, and we hope we can provide you with some insights, tips, and best practices, and breathing room from the critical work you do. We are here to support teaching and learning wherever it is taking place. With us today, we are so excited to have our colleague, Sally, from the Learning Games team. So welcome, Sally. Thank you so much for being here. If you don't mind just introducing yourself to our listeners to get started, that would be great. Cool. Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm uh, super excited to be here too. This is my first podcast. So uh, I'm Sally. Um, I am the design director on the Learning Games team at Curriculum Associates. Um, And I've been with CA for, I think it's four years now. And prior to that, my whole team were at a startup called Motion Math. Um, And I was there for three years before that. So I've been working with my team at CA for a very long time. Well, we're excited to have you. So I want to start by just asking, um, can you tell us a little bit about your story and what even brought you to CA? Oh, interesting. What brought me to CA? So um, I kicked around in, so, okay, so I, I was born in Hong Kong, grew up in New Zealand, uh, never really felt like I belonged in either place. Um, and at some point I sort of just was young and carefree and took off and moved to San Francisco. Um, and when I got to SF, I uh, kicked around in games for about 10 years. Um, so mobile games, uh, free-to-play games, um, you know, lots of lots of great companies, but I always sort of felt like something was missing. Um, and, you know, my parents are both educators and I had always sort of wanted to pursue that path um, and an opportunity came up at Motion Math, which is um, the company I just previously mentioned um, where they were looking for a design director um, and it was an ed tech and we, you know, we made really cool math learning games um, and I loved it. And so that's sort of where I started with ed tech. Um, and then Curriculum Associates acquired us and we just became the learning games team here. And it's an awesome company. It's sort of like the best of both worlds. We still get to do our fun little startup thing um, within this, you know, really lovely big company. Well, that's exciting. That was, that's new information for me too. Oh, yeah. um, Surprise. <laughs> but the other thing I wanted to ask you about too is, so you tell us about your passion about literature or um, how does your story intersect with how you feel about representation in literature. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So like I mentioned, I grew up as a, you know, a Chinese kid in like a pretty much white community in New Zealand. Um, And I just remember being the only othered kid at school. Um, And I remember you know, there's this one, I tell the story all the time, but there, you know, one time we were, it was Christmas and we were painting pictures of Santa um, and everyone held up their red Santas and mine was all rainbow colored because I didn't know who Santa was because we don't have him in Hong Kong. And the teacher was like, look at that. That's great. Look how creative. And I just was like, oh, what did I do wrong? 
Um, and that sort of sparked my interest in, um, you know, just why representation matters. Like I never saw faces like mine in books and TV um, or, if, or if I did, they were sort of stereotyped um, and that was really tough to deal with. Um, so I think just growing up in that sort of environment, um, you know, not ever really feeling like I belonged in either environment, moving to San Francisco and seeing, um, you know, there was a lot more integration, a lot more diversity um, and a lot more people just sort of wanting to do um, something different and make a change. Um, and that's that's where I sort of became interested in it um, for you know, where I'm at right now, I was uh, attending like a DEI seminar at CA actually. Um, and uh, this infographic came up and I pulled it up because I, I wanted to remind myself of it, but it's, uh, it's about diversity in children's books in 2018. And of all the characters in children's books in 2018, 50% were white, 27% were animals, 10% were African-American and only 7% were Asian or Pacific Islander. Um, and, you know, the stats keep going from there, but, you know, that 7% really was like a gut punch to me, you know, like it was 2018, like that's still where we're at. Um, and I, you know, uh, I'd had a son, I think he was six months old at that point. Um, this was about a year ago. I'd had a son and I just remember looking at him and I was like, he's going to read soon. And well, not that soon, but you know, he's going to read at some point. And when he reads, like, I want him to not grow up feeling othered like I did. Um, I want him to see his face. I want him to see his stories. Um, you know, I want him to see my face. So uh, that sort of lit a fire under me. And I ended up writing my own children's book. So cool, Sally. Like, not only did you take this, this experience and kind of your passion for what you saw that didn't feel right, but then you actually did something about it. And so um, we'll link Sally's book in the show notes. It's super cute. Uh, my daughter, who's a year and a half, loves it. <laughs> I sent Sally pictures of her reading it. <laughs> she always asks for noodles now after she sees it. I'm like, oh, yeah, it has been a common complaint. <laughs> that and uh, my kid wants to read it like five times in a row. It's a fairly short book, so you can get through it pretty quick. And they're like, I'm sick of reading this book. <laughs> So I'd love to hear just like a little bit more about if you just want to tell the listeners um, just about the book in general. What's it about? What did it mean to you? What's kind of the theme? And um, what's really cool, too, is Sally not only wrote it, but she illustrated it also. And the pictures are really, really beautiful as well. So oh, that's fun to you, Sally. Um, thank you. Um, yeah. So the uh, <laughs> the first line in the book is my family loves to eat and there's not a truer statement made in the world. Um, so we're very food centric. Um, uh, I love to cook too. So um, a lot of our conversations are about what we're going to eat. Um, and so I wrote this book, it's called Family Style. Um, and it's really just about this, this cultural concept of, you know, putting all your food on the table together and you sit there with, you know, your bowl of rice, your bowl of noodles, and you get to choose from everything that's available, what you want to eat. Um, and that's, that's, you know, a, a concept that was, it's really old. <laughs> it's an old tradition, um, but it's something my family always did um, growing up. You know, we were like sort of in this island where we didn't you know we we were culturally stranded um 
And so, you know, that was one of our most important traditions was six o'clock every night, no matter what you were doing, like you were at the dinner table and there was always five or six different dishes and you had your bowl of rice and you got to choose food to eat. Um, and so uh, that's what I wrote the book about. I wrote the book about, um, you know, what happens when you eat family style, um, what are all the different ways you can do it. We go and get uh, dim sum at some point. Um, we do hot pot. And these are all things that are explained in the book if you're curious about what they are. Um, and, you know, I, I, I have a blended family too. So my husband's white and, and Chinese. And so um, some of it is just about, you know, what do you offer as options <laughs> when, you know, not everybody wants to eat the same thing. And so, um, you know, just a, it's a lot about food. It's a lot about love. It's a lot about just sharing and that warm snuggly feeling you get when you get to sit down with your family and um, eat together. So there's, there's so much, there's so much here. Number one, what Sari said, the fact that you did something about it. Number two, you wrote a book for other children to be able to see and experience and just the, the importance of culture and food and, and just to bring your family to life. That's so incredible. So what, I, I would love to know, like, what made you actually do it? Because a lot of people are wondering, especially now, I just feel like it's, there's so many things happening in the world and, and you contributed something really beautiful as a solution. So what, what, what inside you was like, yes, I'm going to write that. Yes. I'm going to publish it. Yep. It's going to be on Amazon. Like what helps help us help us do that too. <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay. <clears throat> So I wrote it the day after that DEI seminar I attended. I, it like poured out of me. It's just a short poem, you know? So it just like poured out of me. And I was like, this is, this is the book I want to write. Um, and then I, I sat on it for a while because I was like, what am I doing? I don't know how to write books. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I'm a designer by trade, so the illustrations weren't too much of a stretch for me. So I started illustrating it and I just sort of started with, okay, well, like, let's just, no pressure. Like, I just want to play around. Like, let's see if I can actually make this happen. Um, and, uh, you know, I started, there were a lot of stops and starts. Um, Sarah, you also have a precocious wee toddler, so it's, it's extremely, anyone who is a parent will tell you it's extremely difficult to find time when you work full time and you have a child. Um, you know, you have to find time for yourself. You have to find time for all the hobbies that you're interested in. Um, so that was probably my biggest challenge was just to keep going. Um, you know, I had this, I had a fire, I had a passion for it. I had an idea. I had sort of like the plan mapped out. Those are all things that like I know are important. And then just from having done side projects before, really it's the idea of momentum. I think like if you have momentum, you can keep going. Um, and once you lose that momentum, it, it really takes like a kickstart to get started again. And so I definitely lost momentum at, at certain points um, and you know, had to kickstart in some way or other, whether it was, you know, random family members being like, where is that book you promised us? Or, you know, um, the, the infographic circled back around and I got to look at it again. And I just was like, right, 
you know, my kid's not getting any younger. Like he's just getting closer to reading age and I haven't done anything yet. So go do something. Um, so yeah, that was really it. I think um, at the, towards, okay, it took me a year. Like let's not mince words about this. Like it took me a full year. It's a, it's like a 20 page children's book. <laughs> it literally took me a year to do. Um, because towards the end, like all I could really dedicate was like 20 minutes a day. But that was sort of, what I did, rain or shine, you know, no matter how tired or sick or grumpy I was, I think I gave myself like Fridays off or something. But aside from that, it was like, nope, 20 minutes. You got to find your 20 minutes. Um, and that was really helpful. It just became this thing that I knew I had to do every day. And, um, you know, often, you know, when you're illustrating often 20 minutes turns into like an hour or something because you lose track of time. But, um, just I, I would say for anybody sort of aspiring to get their projects done, um, find your passion for it, map it out so that you have some sort of goal for where you're going and then set small goals and, you know, keep that momentum going. Don't lose momentum. That's I think the biggest thing that'll kill projects is losing momentum. Thank you, Sally. That was so helpful and insightful for, for anyone who wants to have a passion project like that. I think everything you just said at the end sums it up beautifully, but also just when you feel that fire, like putting pencil to paper or whatever you want to do, like just getting started. Cause then you said it just kind of flowed. And then I love the using a little bit of time, like no matter how tired you are, it's Danielle talks so much about self-care and we do on this podcast. And it's kind of the same thing. It's like, you have five minutes, you have 10 minutes, whatever you want to make it for yourself, but everyone can find that little piece of time in the day. And then maybe it turns into longer, like you said, or you just feel this sense of like connection to yourself and helping yourself, um, which is so, so important, especially now more than ever. So thank you so much, Sally. We loved chatting with you. This flew by. Unfortunately, that is all we have time for today, um, but we really appreciate you being here. And it was so great to chat. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I loved this. This was really fun. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow along as always on Twitter at Curriculum Masoch and on Instagram at MyIReady and be sure to tag us in your posts so we can see the work you do. If you have feedback about the podcast, it's a topic of interest or want to be a guest, please email extraordinaryeducators at caink.com. Please be sure to subscribe where you listen to podcasts and review an episode if you feel inclined so we can reach more educators. This is about you. We are here for you. So until we meet again, be you, be true, be extraordinary. This podcast is produced by Curriculum Associates and is the copyrighted material and intellectual property of Curriculum Associates. <laughs>